0: Everybody, it's LOI Central with Dan and Johnny.
1: Hello and welcome to the LOI Central pod. i Johnny Ward and Dan McDonald. It's episode four of 2021, a very, very intriguing year so far. We are, as ever, in association with futureticketing.ie, who are on the books of Twelve of the League of Ireland clubs at the moment, thanks to Futureticketing.ie, uh, our title sponsor. We are at LOI Central Pod on Twitter, on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, so on and so forth. Uh, welcome along, Daniel McDonald. How are you?
0: Good, Johnny. Very, 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 very good opening there. You're on, you're on the game this week. Not on the game. On your game. Not the game. Week.
1: The game's going to be a lot shorter this week. We we went well over two hours last week. Don't know what happened us.
0: I mean, listen, we're saying this one minute into the podcast here, Johnny. Like we, our conversation could run away with us. We've got Brian Murphy and Mark Rossiter on today. Um, Brian Murphy, obviously, current Waterford goalkeeper, but also a former teammate of Mark Rossiter at Bose. When I told Brian that, um, that Mark would be joining us, uh, he said he wouldn't be getting a word in. Um, so we'll see how long that chat might actually go on for. Who knows? But I don't think we'll get to last week's uh, bumper length. But We didn't get too many complaints, really, about it. Um, I mean, some of the people who might be complaining about it might, might still be listening to it, might still be finishing it. And getting yeah. through it. But uh, I think uh, Ronan and and, and uh, Paddy Barrett uh, got a good good feedback. I think people enjoy Paddy Barrett's reflections. Uh, you know, if, if football doesn't work out for him, he can do birthday parties and, you know, events. Like, you'd, you'd want to have him along, wouldn't you, to various gigs. And, like you know, you'd you would you'd, you'd be one of those people that, like, I reckon... Do you know, back when people used to go to pubs, like you know, back in the day, and like someone would walk into a bar and they'd, ah, you know, everyone yeah. would be cheering yeah, you're one of those, and then then you'd have built them up so much to your friends that then you'd have to be a lot of disappointment. That would yeah. be a yeah. slight danger, yeah.
1: He's uh, yeah. The the video clips got a great reaction, great traction last week um, between Paddy and Ronan, um, and our guest this week. Obviously, we'll have Mark Roster will be talking about Sligo Rovers who continued their good starts. Obviously, Waterford off the mark, and Adam Wickstead as well. I spoke to him after Athlone's three one oh, win yeah. over Galway United. So yeah, lots of cheery. Folks. Was it three one? Was it three one or uh,
0: was it three one or three two? Was it three one? Three one. Yeah. I probably should. Yeah. Media officer should know. Are you under pressure? As media officer at the moment, yeah. do you have any, how many how many points of water of, of, of Galway games since you've gone in there as media officer? One out of six, One. Dan. One out of mm. six. It's like the ward years, you know. And like, do you, do you feel under pressure then to like to put a very, uh, like positive match report oh, on absolutely. like the channels but it's like you know, at loan with sort of late rally. Uh, from yeah. Galway to, to, to eke out a three-one well, win you know, or something.
1: It? it was it was it was quite funny because uh, I was on Galway BFM doing the co country with Jonathan Higgins, and it was it was
0: a north, north Korea them. stuff there, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it was like it was the media them. officer doing
0: this is like this is like the, like here we go, you know, special analysis on the on the uh, election here from you know the director Show of Lange. elections.
1: But uh, then when I, when I, after Adam Wickstead, I found John Caulfield and uh, John Caulfield was entirely negative on the night. He was like, basically, this is crap. We have to be an awful lot better than this. Whereas my first question was, geez, the subs you brought on, they really had a big influence <laughs> in the game or something like that. So I think he was even like, uh, here, you know, you can't be putting a positive slant on that. So John Caulfield was, it, it's going to be a remarkably um, mad first division. I think anyone could win it. It's going to be really exciting. <laughs> And at Lone obliterated Galway on Friday, which I think threw it kind of wide open with Shells and Bray obviously having a cracker in Tolka as well.
0: Did, did you see, um, that, yeah, Brandon Kavanagh sort of uh, starring again, did you see Michael D. Higgins did something, the president, sorry, the president Higgins did, did something recently about uh, his love of the League of Ireland? I, I think I'm imagining it. but I, I, I think he said something. I think it was actually in the Sun. He might have done something with Owen Kowser. I'm pretty sure he made some reference to uh, missing the songs. And uh, <laughs> oh, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to figure out what it was. I'm trying, I'm trying to actually go through it here. I should have been prepared for this. There, oh, yeah, yeah. I think the League of Ireland is, is, too, is, is too often presented as clubs having problems. You get tired of that. In, so this is an irrelevant section. In Ireland, people who support clubs respect people who in turn support their clubs. And then he had this intriguing line. <laughs> There is a, a humour and generosity about it. I remember the particular versions of You'll Never Walk Alone that I've heard around <laughs> the country at different clubs. I'm pretty sure that's a reference to You'll Never Walk in Athlone, right? It Which is, was a goal United fan. Yeah. But is is it, I mean, is there any chance this was stuck up on the dressing room wall in Athlone before the game on, on Friday? It's like, listen, you know, we're going to do a job on these. Or we're going to do a job on the president like see how he like this up the aris you know to see what the issue is here i couldn't believe he actually i I, I couldn't see i couldn't (laughs) believe that he actually said that in the interview (laughs) are you aware of any other references of you'll never walk alone at grounds anywhere yeah there was also you'll never get a
1: job you'll never get a job sign on sign on with a pen in your hands which was for the ucd fans and you sign on sign on with a pen in your hand and and yeah after dark, after dark, with fear in your heart. But it was my first visit to the Athlone Town Stadium, Dan, and I reckoned, I was counted. I think they're in the, they've left St. Mel's 14 years now yet, that's still my frame of reference, but this is a completely different Athlone team, and whatever way they've cobbled money together, they have a very good squad, and they've actually some really good players, and it was it was a chasing experience for, for, for Go United. Uh, it's going to be a fascinating campaign. It was It a played on the Astro? Unbelievable quality for a first vision game. I, I have to reiterate that. It was really, really good quality. Well, I mean,
0: yeah, that's just the official line. This, you know, yeah. Pyongyang uh, statement. Oh, we were great. Te- At were team of, the, the 20-person media team report great success in Atlone uh, despite 3-1. Uh, media wins. officer is but a complete I- pain in the <laughs> hole, by the way.
1: Trying to get lads into games and filling out COVID forms and all this. like, and I'm only three games that, in now. and
0: Obviously, I'm under pressure some- as well. Okay, well, let's listen. Listen, this isn't canceling, you know? I, know. I know it's difficult, <laughs> but you know, let's let's move on. It's a podcast, but um, so so you you obviously would have come home from uh, that game in a stadium, by the way, that does have a like it has potential. That stadium, by the way, it's just obviously like a classic League of Ireland ground. It's just it's just not finished, and probably in recent years, like even, I suppose, elements of the upkeep there, you know, haven't been top notch. But but in saying that, like. I think probably going to the artificial surface was probably a good move, mm. and it wouldn't take much for that to become a a, a very good grant, I would think. But but I see it's interestingly I heard um, Paul McLoon of Finn Harp speaking about uh, the you know the, the the very positive news last week that Finn Harps they, they've got a provisional allocation of funding uh, for to get their stadium project going again, and the phase one effectively is going to be an Athlone Town Stadium. Um, not quite a copycat effort but that's what you can expect from phase one and then they're obviously hoping to get sort of phase two and and three um I gotta but, relay my conversation
1: uh, with Ali Horgan then have I because we obviously tried to get Harps lads on including Adam Foley who was injured I think earlier in the week and um, but obviously Adam Foley uh Ali said that he brought him to knock or whatever so he um he he recovered in time for the draw the game but I when that when that news came in about the stadium I I I, I just said uh oh, I texted Ollie Horgan and said, Oh, congrats on the stadium news. And he replied, Pitch was perfect the way it was. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, mm-hmm. like never look beyond just great, the next game. It, it's just great that he can. I think Ollie actually enjoys the stereotype, but Harps have seven points, uh, after the draw against draw. Yeah, Doc and, and Bows have one point.
0: Yeah, and listen, we'll, we'll move on to that in a second. I think it's a great lift for everyone, at Finn Harris, but obviously, instead of work to do to. Activate that money, I suppose, but but like having been up there last season, I can't remember if I spoke about it in the poll or not. I certainly wrote about it. but I didn't realize that the new stadium site there is pretty much an an Irish around the corner from um from Finn Park. You know, so they had the opportunity to create a hub and they're speaking about maybe the you know having a women's side still playing at Finn Park and retaining the facilities there. And mm. there's actually like there's the there's the athletics club there, Patsy McGonagall's athletics club and um, there's a sort of a gym complex and stuff, you know, all within, you know, they are in close proximity of each other and all the walking distance really from Bali Buffet or it's the Strenord or Bally Buffet, obviously uh, the, 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 the two towns sort of model there bordering each other. Um, it's, it, it's got a lot of potential, but I, I just really hope that, that they can get the sort of further support they need to, to bring it to fruition. But anyway, sorry. You were coming home from, uh, you were coming home from last week, uh, and you 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 came home from that long Galway and uh, putting out the positive stuff from the Galway media channels to watch Roberts and Nandol, mm-hmm. which was the game of the the weekend. Um, I, I was interesting, was we interest we slightly disagreed
1: because um, uh, I I thought it was a good quality game particularly first half. Then I read your match for it. You were at the game, and to be fair, you were at a game again with nobody at it. Maybe it's a bit different as well. I was just I was watching I, on TV. Yeah, I, thought, like, I thought it was a decent game, but I mean, it is what it is as well.
0: I know. Like, uh, listen. Something. There's no doubt. Like, when you're in it, it's very, it's it, it's harder to get captivated by a game in the stadium when you know you know if it, it's a closed doors game. There's sort of people around you and there's chatting, and then you don't necessarily fully lock into it in the way that you would. Mm. You're, you're almost watching the sights and the sounds. And there's a few great rows on the pitch between players, like you know, doing players on the same side having a go at each other, like Aaron Green. and Liam Scales at one stage, and with the dark ones as well, and sometimes you end up sort of, you know, focusing in on the colour of that rather than the game itself. Sometimes, as it's strange as that sounds, but um, but I did then watch it back when I go home, when I went home, and I don't know it wasn't a bad game. Like I mean, like there's there's a good quality of player involved in it, and some very good individual moments and passages. Um, I actually genuinely think, and I know you would have. Spoken about this, you felt Rovers were comfortable. They were very comfortable in the first half. But genuinely, I thought in the second half, I was surprised by the amount of chances that the Dog created, like, you know, yeah. decent chances. Um, And so, like, I definitely think Rovers can, can do way better. But then, you know, the, the, the flip side of that is, you know, if they can do way better and they've still beaten the team that is technically supposed to be their closest rivals, we'll see if that proves to be the case. But, like, if they can do that and, and still win, well, then they're in a good place. I guess. Listen, you compare it to last year, the 3-2 was one of the best games of recent League of Ireland memory. And Rovers had to come back off the ropes to win that game. Um, And it didn't have that same sense of drama or achievement this time. But maybe that's a reflection of how far they've come. Like, it was a tale of two goalkeepers in a way. I mean, Manus made big saves. Also very good with his feet at times as well. Like, just really composed presence. And, and, you know, a BB at the other end. Even the first goal... Even the first goal, you look at it and you think, well, maybe it's harsh. And it maybe, listen, if, if that's the only goal he concedes in the night, you're probably not talking about him as much. But probably Dundalk's best 10 minutes of the game was before the second goal. And uh, to concede the type of goal that they did from a decent but but unremarkable shot from Dylan Watts, that kills you. And it's two weeks in a row the goalkeeper has been a talking point. And um, like certainly since the beginning of pre-season, uh, there has been rumblings maybe that um, he might not be the answer to that position and it's it's all coming to pass pretty quickly.
1: If there is a team to challenge Sean McRover's and I'm not sure there is, it might be Pats. Um, bows were poor I thought in Daily Mount and uh, on the anniversary of uh, my former buddy and uh, you would have known as well Peter Ryan on the anniversary of yes. his passing um, as referenced in the Pats uh, Twitter feed, 14 years to Peter's death, um, he would have enjoyed that 1-0 win, albeit Peter was I don't think Peter would have that much time now for these games behind closed doors. He definitely wanted to be among the fans, like doing impressions of various yeah. League of Ireland personalities and so on. Um Great but again, what a character. But um again, Dan, this was I've seen both three times now, including a pre-season game. I haven't been impressed with them at all, to be honest. And uh, they've re- they've made a really, really poor start because they've already played Longford and Finn Harps and they've won point from from, from a possible nine. And it doesn't get any easier because they played Dundalk on Friday. But Pats are motoring along nicely. And I think a key thing is Ronald Coughlin has gotten two very scrappy goals, which is as many as he got, I think, from play for Sligo last season. Yeah, and I
0: think you have to be conscious that... It's a, it's a 36 game campaign this year mm. and I, as good as rovers are I think that they're going to drop more points strictly in the early weeks I think I mean, we will see it could be completely wrong so like any club that's dropping points at the moment it's maybe not as uh, a crisis point as it might have been in, in, in recent seasons in recent years but in saying that the um, bow start would worry you and so I don't want to diagnose something because they could they could win they could beat the dog this week and that's very possible they could do that it doesn't take much to get back on the you know on the horse really um, but if you're going to make a, a snap judgment at this stage the one question mark you would have is that like every every end of season they lose a couple of players and there's a lot of stock on the the new players coming in and and maybe just this time round it's been harder for the newer ones to really make an impact and, and integrate and hit the ground running. And you know, they've 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 lost you know they've lost important players, even even I suppose that okay Mandre was choice, but like Andre Wright, um it took them a while to settle in, but then they had a very good uh you know, Andre Wright, Twardek and, and Grant on either side. Like at their best points last season, that was their strength. If like you think of the games in Europe, the game in Europe, where they are excellent, but that was their threat, and I, they're all gone now. And Dan Casey um, as well
1: has been felt.
0: And Dan Casey is another one as well. So like, they are missing key elements, and maybe like you know, you, 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 some of the players that have come in, or you know, they're new to the league. Others have been in the league before. Bastien hasn't necessarily hit the ground running. Um, so you, you just you just wonder. Pat's yeah, listen, Pat's are looking decent. They are looking decent. Um, they deserve to win the game as well. To be fair, exactly, to me. yeah exactly what we said last week about them really, that they're winning games that they would have drawn previously, I think, um, and they have, I'm not sure if they have, like, amazing depth and that's probably going to be one question they're going to mm. face across the 36-game game season, but, you know, young Dara Burns come in and started, they have some promising young players in the squad and around the bench and if they can keep their best team fit, like, you can see them picking up a fair few points. Um, so, like, and, and, like it, it, may well be that just with the Steve O'Donnell in there, it just takes a bit of time for the, you know, for for whatever your 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 preferred culture is or whatever whatever mood you want to create around the group. It takes a while, and maybe he might have a squad there that's buying into it, and you know they they have a, for all that they're a new maybe a new challenger, but they have a pretty experienced spine as well, a core of players that have won leagues or. Being around challenges, you know, like Benson and Mountney and in Birmingham and and other players, such that they're a very good goalkeeper. Um, and Coughlin might just might just give you know be an issue, be a, be a sort of solution to their striking issues. They have their lone ease as well. Um, listening to Donald the other day, who they're still trying to integrate some of them in because they haven't played a huge amount of football. So, um, they could be the depth actually that they don't have if they turn out to be okay. That's Alfie Lewis and uh. Melvin Lambert, the striker from Reading. So, um, yeah, it's 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 it, like you know, and we will talk about it with Mark Rossler. The other the other thing you mentioned, obviously, is Sligo Rovers as well, who have, you have, you know, who have picked up seven from nine, um, possibly without necessarily even hitting their best. Their best level. That's the thing, and, yeah. They, um, they,
1: and Buckley would have said after the Walford game, in particular they didn't play well. Longford looked a very scrappy game and he was blaming the pitch a bit yeah. afterwards. Yeah, they said so they're, they're definitely in contention for Europe this season's LIGO again.
0: Definitely. And they play Shamrock Rovers on Saturday. So that's going to be a really interesting early game. But listen, um, we will also have later in our. In the show will have a four star pizza giveaway. By the way, I, I should mention tonight. that as
1: well because there were further kind of um allegations of some sort of mismanagement or irregularity when uh, Rory Gookie, in a Go United fan who uh, I've gotten to know quite well in recent months, he obviously won the pizza.
0: Well, I mean, you I mean, it's good to know that you've actually effectively reported yourself to the police station there because you would yeah. be like you would be the, the prime suspect at that, but but I must point out that Derek who, who does the draw. Is a is does not have a League of Ireland affinity, and you know, as far as I know, has no sideline going in in sort of uh, furnishing allies with pizza in any shape or form. <laughs> That's not his game, he's a very much independent witness. And we will continue to uh, we will continue to post the draw, and people can see that it's all very open and transparent, or, or so we claim anyway. But we will have a trivia quiz, uh, trivia question later on. Stick with us for that. But now, let's go, Brian Murphy, to Mark Rossner.
1: Yeah, welcome along to uh, Brian Murphy and Mark Roster. Mark Roster has been on the show before. Brian Murphy, I mean, what an impression you're making. There's this beautiful palm tree behind you there. It's kind of, I don't, know, I don't know what sort of image you're going for, but it's working with me anyway. How are you keeping?
2: I'm good, I'm good. I won't show you the sand on the floor, but it's as close to a palm tree I think anyone's going to get to for a while. So uh, I'm good, I'm good. Uh, looking forward to seeing what uh, this is all about.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, well, lads, we have like I mean, we're going to obviously talk about ongoing league league events and so on. But I mean, you are both uh, ex Bose teammates. You know, you're double winners together, right? In uh, yeah. two thousand and eight. So you were, um, you know, you 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 had a great time together at Daily Mount. I mean, what, what when like we'll talk about the present day stuff. But if, I don't know, Brian. I'd start with you. You know, if if someone said to you Bose, like, what are the standout memories that you recall from that time in your career and the success you had,
2: yeah. Like I always look back and and then days like you enjoy the winning. I think the big thing about that group, especially when Pat came in, I think I think Rossi will agree with this, is that when we went into games and you looked around the kind the dressing room and you saw the personnel there, you just knew that you're the lads were going to turn up and put on performance, like, and you knew that you know we'd be fine one way or the other and we'd be competing at the right end. It wasn't until probably. You know a few games in you realise going like we have a we have something special here for this league you know what I mean I think like that was that group of players for, for them couple of seasons that I was part of it anyway and, and Rossi was there a little bit longer than me but it was it was one hell of a group really like and I think it, you know it'd be you know you look at champions that have won leagues and stuff I think that that group would be right up there every season um no matter what season you put them into like hmm.
0: how good was your keeper Mark
3: um, I suppose from, from watching the league um, say now, I think I think when you look back on it, I think Murph set a tone to what keepers are now. Um, you know, like you would have had goalkeepers like Digger and stuff like that at Shamrock Rovers, Matt Gregg at UCD, and he was at Bowles when we first came and, and he left in the pre-season. But I think for a super athletic keeper who was very, very... Do you know what? He was the first keeper that I ever done running with in pre-season that he was up the top. He was a nightmare. Um, nightmare to be in his group because he'd amuse and just run 40 or 50 yards ahead of you. Um, but I think it was, I was thinking back on it today when when I knew that I was coming on. We played Pats in the running in 2008. And Owen Harry had the ball at right back. And we were 2-0 up and... The ball was played to Murph. Murph played it to Harry. He played it back to him. Do you remember Murph? You launched the eighty-yard pass to Joxer over the fullback. Joxer crossed it in, and Jason Byrne scored at the near post. That was the difference. Distribution, his athleticism, his concentration. Uh, there was some games he'd do nothing for for you know forty-five minutes, and he'd just come and pluck a ball from a corner. And set us away on an attack he was he automatically made us a better a better defense better team in general just knowing that he was
2: he was exceptional you, you could get me a few more years in my career speaking like that <laughs> 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 i know it
3: was done i remember i was talking to matt greg about it actually and he turned around and he said murph is the best in the league by a mile because he said it's it's very easy at UCD, was his point. He said it's very easy at UCD because he said teams are attacking you every couple of minutes. But he said Murph mightn't do anything um, for 80 minutes, 85 minutes. So he said to keep her concentration for that length of time and then pull off a save. Or he said just you know be, on, be alert that a ball comes over the top and he goes out and clears it. Um, he said it's very hard to do coming from a keeper you know like look at it, it's it's such a specialized position I don't think an outfielder can comment on what keepers do or what's going through their head they're a bit touched let's say but um, <laughs> no Murph, Murph, Murph was a joy to do. Just
1: on that Brian then that's something that always is mentioned like from people probably who don't play in goal like is it that big of a deal when you've very little to do for the vast majority of the game in terms of being able to react very quickly to a situation that just arises in probably playing for a team that doesn't necessarily cough up many chances anyway.
2: Yeah, Johnny, I think like I think the big thing as Rossi was saying is that if you don't have a lot to do in a game, and it is the 85th minute, is when you do have to do something, that you don't make a mistake with it. Because like you've seen top teams all around the world and I suppose we're more for more focused on the Premier League that like a team like Man City or Liverpool, if their goalkeeper makes a mistake in a game, it's generally costing them a goal. Like they could be dominating the game. Like You've seen Liverpool, Alisson's made a, a couple of mistakes this year. Mm-hmm. As good as they are going forward, suddenly the keeper's under pressure. So it's important that, look, I think we all make mistakes. I've made many mistakes in my career, but it's just that the difference between maybe the level I'm playing at now and the Premier League is that the top ones never, ever make too many mistakes and they and if they are making mistakes they make them at the right time like and in the right areas. Um it's such it is such a difficult position and you know I find it funny when I find people criticising goalkeepers when they've probably never played in the position and and understand maybe why he did it or why he didn't save the ball. I think I heard someone I think was I don't know who was uh, which station it was last night um had the game but um Someone was disappointed in the goalkeeper that he didn't. He got two hands to it and he didn't keep it out. I think possibly Kenny Cunningham was on, and like yeah. that's fair enough. But it was a good finish. But I think he did well to get two hands to it. Like you know, um, but it's just you know, I just think it's a goalkeeper so specialised that it's important just to stay consistent. You know, because every manager wants the goalkeeper like not to be making headlines for the wrong reasons, to be making them for the right reasons and helping the team. And it's all about helping the team. I think that's the, that's the big thing I've learned over the years. I think I've got more comfortable with is that if, if I do make a mistake, that it doesn't affect me going forward. You know, A lot of young lads now, um, and we've got a couple of young goalkeepers at Waterford, that if they make a mistake, I try to get in their head that it's only one mistake. Don't make it two or three. You know, And, and mm-hmm. I think that's why the top keepers are the top keepers and you pay the money for them because as good as they are goalkeepers, their concentration and their mistakes are are minimal.
0: Mark just that that team in two thousand eight because Mark you were then involved with a really good Dundalk side then, um the the early stages I suppose of that great Dundalk era, and I think when people look at the last twenty years they always talk about with well, the shells team that did this the Dundalk team that did that you know and maybe Bowes doesn't that that Bowes side probably doesn't get mentioned as much, but I'm guessing like from your perspective they'd be right up there with with teams of. Of your time in the league that 2008 group in particular 2008 because you blitzed yeah. it yeah
3: it's, it's hard to compare eras I suppose um, I suppose it'll be look at if you if you throw our names in they'll throw Shamrock Rovers from the 80s they'll throw you know it, it'd be nice to see them all uh, I suppose in a round robin tournament let's see to how to see how everybody would get on but I suppose like if you look at our Dundalk team technically they were excellent aesthetically we were monsters, um, you know, down to Graham Byrne, for example. We, we done a lot in pre-season from a fitness point of view. We were fitter than every team in the league. Um, but if you look at the Bulls 2018, like, it, there wasn't kids in it. Connor Powell was the youngest probably in the squad. You know, in 2008, I was, what, 25? Um, and I was still one of the youngest there. Uh, Joxer. Joxer and Pauler were the only two young lads really they were all men they were all hungry, driven it, it was I think mentality wise it was probably the best squad I've been a part of because I've never felt such a, a winning mentality. If it was nil-nil in the seventy-fifth minute, you just thought we're going to get a goal, we're going to get a chance, and you've got Jason Byrne up front, you've got Crowe up front there, you've got Fenny who will create something, Killian Brennan. There was just it was it was a joy to go train and never mind play games on a Friday
0: night. Because mm. lads, I feel cruel now, right? Because we, we get two people on here and you give us your time and you're very good to us. And yet, I feel like I should I have you on. I should mention Red Bull Salzburg and think. Oh, I knew you were going you know, to do that. Why did that just come I, to my head as well? But right I decided I, I to ask I, it. Like. I feel like an absolute prick doing it, right? I do genuinely feel like. We all doing know it. it was Mark's fault. Move on.
1: <laughs> I was in control of the ball.
3: So I take responsibility for it.
0: <laughs> I, I'm thinking like you're like your two mates, you know. But obviously, that was. I think of like the European breakthrough that that team could have made. And it's obviously one of those sliding doors moments. But I mean, that. Brian, you were talking about like how a game can go by and you don't have a huge amount to do, and then something happens. I mean, that is just like that's obviously a regret, right? I mean, if you reflect back on that guy, I feel I feel like I feel like a prick for bringing this up now, but it's obviously one of those moments that it it, it, it probably sticks with people.
3: It'd probably stick with me more than Murph because, like, the the most annoying thing for me is not I was in control of the ball from my situation. It's so I should have done better. I had a, a thought in my mind, I suppose, in the 87th minute. Um, when I looked at Murph, Murph probably just assumed that I was going to header it to him. And in the corner of my eye, I seen the striker move slightly. So I didn't. And I tried to header it in the air. The annoyance for me is anybody who says to me that I tried to header the ball back. I headered it in the air. I didn't header it towards the goalkeeper I nearly wrapped my head around it to not put it anywhere near the goalkeeper so that is the biggest frustration for me I look at I had a bad starting position Ken O'Mann jumped for the header with Yanko I should have been tucked in maybe if I was tucked in two yards more on the left hand side the ball would have just fell onto my foot and I'd have volleyed it away Um, it was just I suppose you defended so well Um, their manager was a dick so everything would have just been perfect to, to hold out for another five minutes. But uh, yeah, from my end, yeah. it just was was one of them things that I've, I suppose I, I still carry today, you know, that I should have, would have, could have, you know?
2: But like on, on the same thing as well, Rossi, like, I think we were so used to playing um, together that the reason why I probably anticipated the movement to come and, and, and go a bit closer to the ball because... I was so used to him doing that header and making making the right decision. I suppose that I thought maybe I could get there. And obviously halfway I couldn't, and I just you know the guy just came in and, 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 and headed it over is like, but I think there if was I, so much if I didn't look at you, you wouldn't have moved. Plain and simple. Possibly, you know. Yeah, look, we could play it back ten times, we'd probably do something a bit different yeah. anyway. But I
1: mean Phoenix from the it was a good from the header. It was Francis a good header in fairness.
2: I think the, the big disappointment I think overall was that the first performance away was was so perfect in terms of um, yeah tactically
3: and, was, and a, a tactically I mean, in a way
2: performance like, and coming away with the lead you know with it, with a draw and and then going into that game and I remember it's not often you see Daily Mount full now I remember Daily Mount was 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 packed uh, on both sides Ta- the terraces were full and stuff and I think the money that was involved and around the timing of everything and and obviously. I think it would have meant so much to the club to, to to make the next step forward that there was probably a massive amount of pressure on us. And I suppose you don't realise it at the time what it meant, but I think it's it is probably it's one of the disappointments where you look you look back and you kind of go, I "Should have, I should have stayed? I should have just let Rossi deal with it." And if it was like you know, me, he would not ultimately make the right decision. He probably made the right decision at the time. It was just where the position was probably for me as well. Like, but. Um, look no, it's easy to point the finger at people and, and 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 you know I think we we went out and did our best with it but like look they were they're a good team like they were mm. you look at the money that they had compared to what we had and the resources and the facilities and everything like we we played out of our skins that day and we just fell short like and you know well it's no you know I don't think it's a, anyone's one person's fault I think as Rossi said like needing into that kind of passage of play like things could have been done differently or whatever like you know what I mean and and ultimately as I said the concentration thing about goalkeepers is you know that 87th minute is that you make the right decision and probably at that stage you know I would have been better off staying but look it's it was disappointing and um, you know you know unfortunately the events that followed in that league and the country after that you know really crippled the club for a while
0: yeah no it was it was just one of those moments in history and um, actually, just before we move on from that, like Brian, even to what Rossi was talking about there, I saw you nodding your head that it was a, that dressing room, it was like a, a group of men, like, you know, that it really was an experienced group. And from your perspective as a keeper, you were probably, what, 24, 25, 26 at the time, that sort of territory, I'm guessing. Yeah, what we we
2: would have been 25, we would have been 25, Rossi, would we? 25, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, around 25 there. Yeah.
0: So what, what was that like for you to go into that environment? I know you'd been there with, with Sean Connor previously, but even just that that sort of group of um, those players ahead of you, you know, the, you were a, pay, a keeper who'd been overseas and you'd come home and you were going through that process that a lot of people go through. How was it for you to be in a team with, I don't know, Owen Heary and, and Jason Byrne and, and Joey and Doe and, and all these sort of uh, characters who'd, who'd done a lot of stuff Difficult. at the League of level? Difficult
2: to listen, listen to Harry all the time. That keep the standards and that. But no, like I remember coming back and um I was, I was, I left Swansea and I had the chance to stay in England. I just, you know, at that stage, my age, my age, and like I, you know, I wasn't playing the games I wanted to, and I probably wasn't on the contract that I was happy with and stuff. So I was like, you know what, I will come back and take a chance at home and see how I go with it. Um And I had to wait for a few months because. Um, obviously the seasons are different so i had to wait to end of the season and obviously pat was on to me to go to um shells initially and then shells fell apart and pat ended up going to Derry and i and pat wanted me in Derry and i said look pat like if i'm coming home like there's no point in me going to Derry like i'd be i might as well be in the uk like or i know well, it's yeah. in the uk but i might as well stay in england or, or Wales or wherever so obviously I ended up signing for bows and, and and that first season you know we probably overachieved with the group we had and then Obviously, obviously, Pat came in and really, from day one, set a stall out, you know, and obviously Owen was there the, the season before. Like, you only have to look at their league titles to realise, like, how driven these lads are, like, and how driven they were and continue to be throughout that whole process of, one, coming to the club and, and, and raising the standards for everybody. Um, and I think, the, like, obviously you talk about the players and the experience the lads had. I don't know how many league titles the lads had between them. Like, you look at Jason Byrne, Crowey, uh, Fennie, um, obviously Owen and that, like, Killian Brennan and all them lads, They, you know, they've, they've pretty much won everything um, in in Irish football. But I think the, 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 the secret ingredient there is Pat. When Pat came in, like, the standards went from here through the roof, like, and I don't mm. think we went from middle of the road in terms of fitness and probably how we played so within a space, a few weeks, Rossi, like I'll never forget them St. Anne's runs. Like they were torture. Like, you know what I mean? Within a few weeks, like our, the stall was set. And, and in fairness that year, we didn't, I, you know, I think we might've, was it the first game we lost? And I think we, we didn't second. lose again till maybe second game we lost. And then we didn't lose again till the, till, till last, we won the season, league
3: against 30. We
2: won. Who won the league against we, Derry? We
3: got the title against Derry, yeah. That was it. Yeah. So. so,
2: like, that was just incredible. Like, and then you're, as I said, like, you're coming in every day. Like, I always laugh, like, but Owen Heary he used to wear studs no matter what time of year. He could be the hardest pitch in the world, and Owen Heary wears studs. <laughs> and, I, and I was like, why would you wear studs? Like goes, because I'll wear studs and I'll always wear studs as I play. I train as I play. And for me, like, that, like, and the, you'd be flying in the tackles and training. And, and if training wasn't good enough, them lads would be driving you on. And it kind of gave you an idea of where you needed to get to and get to very quickly you know I think we were lucky in that group when we came in that we were part we were kind of we had a year and you know look we probably went out too much and we probably did you know we probably went out after games and we probably shouldn't have been going out and stuff you know we had some good nights out like you 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 don't regret them at the time but but when Pat came in (laughs) you realize like you can't come in on a Monday morning and not be at it like because you know he'd be he'd be straight at you but them lads just used to drive you and drive you. Drive you mad at times because their standards were so high. And I think that's why we we absolutely ran away with the league that year, to be honest.
1: What was Sean Connor yeah. like? Uh, obviously he signed you first.
2: Uh, Sean was a bit a bit mad in his ways, I suppose. Like um but look, he signed me. Like I like he, you know, if I went for another club, I mightn't have gone I could have gone somewhere else as well, but I didn't agree because I didn't think I wasn't sure whether I'd play. But I remember him sign and say look we'll be a, he'll be a number one and on all that like but he was just the the red tracks of bottoms i'll never get over like then um, we had a, a, a it was who were we found theodore at the time and he used to wear these yeah. red tracks of bottoms that were like ridiculous and i and he knew people would take the piss out of him for wearing them but he just i think he just loved that I loved, he loved that idea of it like but um but look he was he was kind of new um to it um, you know, I think we were all new to it, we had great facilities up in DCU, and I think we got the most out of that and stuff like But, um, look, I suppose Pat just changed the whole um, mindset at the club once he came in, and it just kind of took off for a couple of seasons after that.
0: So, so, Murph, just to move on from that, then you you went, you then left obviously for the 2009, the end of the 2009 season. I, I jumped ship, <laughs> <You> Jump <laughs> ship, yeah, no, it was. It was was, well, of course, little known thing. People forget you were in the you were in the squad for the Henri game, weren't you? The the yeah the, yeah yeah I was yeah that was my first you,
2: time
0: yeah yeah you were called in just before you left yeah and then you headed mm. off this but so you had eleven years away before coming home I think I guess like it's a very broad question but like how do you reflect on on that time now because I think mm-hmm. as a goalkeeper like you faced a sort of a you know, a career dilemma that a lot of goalkeepers face. And it's, it's the type of thing that always attracts a lot of external comment. But you obviously reached a point where you were probably going to some clubs knowing you were going to be a second or third choice keeper and not playing in, in the way that you would have made a maybe decision when you were younger, I'm just going to play. And I'm guessing, like, how did you embrace that? Like, Because that is obviously a real-life equation that you faced on a couple of occasions. I could be wrong. I think you were quite close to John and Dawk in 2016 coming home. Uh I think they might even have been like very close to coming home. And then well, I don't know who committed that stage, was it Cardiff? And he ended up going there. But you clearly had an interesting career, but you saw a different side of the game, I don't know, maybe to what you expected going back over.
2: Yeah, like I suppose I suppose that, that you know if if the crash if the economy never crashed in Ireland and, the, and, and and stuff like that, I would have been probably happy enough to stay at Bose and continue mm. it. Um, obviously, the pay cuts started coming and all. Like there was discussions of the, the next season. And I was, and then, obviously, I was doing okay and I had a bit of interest. And then, obviously, Ipswich were interested. And then, obviously, the manager at the time was Roy Keane. And I was thinking to myself, going, like, like, Roy Keane wants to sign me. like I can't. Like, how would you turn that down? You know what I mean? How would you turn down that opportunity to go work for him like you know I was never that keen to go back to go back to the UK initially um, but then I suppose I suppose the contract you're offered and stuff like it's it's, it's different than what you get here um, and, and I, I was told I'd get an opportunity to play as well so I wasn't going over to initially sit on the bench obviously it was up to myself after that but like it went really well at the start like you know um, I played most of the games from January to the end of the season I was in and out of, I was in most of the Ireland squads up to that summer started the next season um I was kind of in and out of the team and, and Ipswich and then I broke my ankle so I missed 8 months of the of the season then you know which was a big setback and you know I know mental health is a big thing now but you know I was suffering with that cuz I've never out that long you know and you were kind of on your own in the rehab and it's a, it's a difficult time and mm. Rossi's had his fair share of injury so he know full well how hard it is when you're day in there every day with you and just the physio or the or the S&C coach or whatever but and then Roy obviously left in between all of that. And um, I just remember like Paul Jewell came in and like I was ne- I was nearly back to training around April time. And they like go, look, we'd like to give you a new contract, a new two-year deal. And I was like, okay, look, I'll speak to my agent and I'll have a look at it and see. But by that stage, I already made my head go and look, I'd, I fancied something different or maybe a fresh start. Now I didn't know where at the time, but I remember going into Paul Jewell and saying, look, I'm going to move on. He's going like, you just after breaking your ankle and we're giving you a two-year deal. Like, where else are you going to get that contract like? And I was like, look, I know, but I don't think I'm going to play as many games for you as whatever. And, you know, that would be it. But, and then my agent rang me in, I think it was early May and said, look, Neil Warnock's looking for a number two. And basically, and I was like, what? Like, obviously a QPR, like, and, uh, and he was like, yeah. He said, look, he wants a number two. Paddy Kenny's his number one, but he wants a number two to come in, play the cup games, be there if you are needed, but you're a number two. So I was like, right, okay. And then obviously the contract was offered and I was like, Yeah, okay, get me the biggest to the Premier League. So I was like, like, where do I sign? Like I, I was thinking myself going, How am I going to pass the medical? Like I passed the medical, but with Neil Warnock as manager, look, I think if managers want to sign sign you, you'll pass it. So obviously fast forward that time then, like obviously I had four years of QPR as number number two, number three. Um it was time then to move on from there. The club um, was changing its structure to go with younger players. And there was a couple of young goalkeepers coming through. Obviously, I didn't play enough games for the for the new manager or whatever. And um, I went to Portsmouth for a year um, and then obviously came back think in 2016, thinking about coming back. And then it was literally like Cardiff was on and off for the whole summer. And it was deadline day for the League of Ireland and Cardiff was off the table. And there's no word of a lie. I was, I was sitting down to sign the contract and I just said to myself, like, I'm not sure about this. You know, I'm not sure I'm ready to come back. I had nothing concrete anywhere else. Mm. I, and I've said this to Stephen Kenny before, like look at it's for personal reasons. It's just, he goes, well, what are you going to do till January? Like you can't sign anywhere. And I was like, I know, but look, I'm going to have to take that chance. And no word of a lie. I was an hour and a half down the road. I was coming to Waterford. And I got a call from my agent. So can you get to the airport? And I'm like, get to the airport for what? I said, Cardiff have come in. And it's literally out of the blue, and then, and I just went, yeah, okay. And they were offering me a two-year deal, and, and, and I went back. So like that's how it all happened. But you're right. Like going back to your what you were saying, like a decision for me to go that the clubs I was at, I was so privileged and so lucky to be involved in them clubs. There were some crazy times, and brilliant times. But I had a choice to make. Then you're right, as a goalkeeper, that do I try force a to go play somewhere as a as a number one, but possibly lower down? probably on more likely on a less contract. Yeah. You know, if I if, if I wasn't offered them contracts at them clubs, my career obviously would have gone a totally different path and I probably would have played more likely at a lesser level in England if I was to stay in England. Yeah. You know, but I had that opportunity to, you know, to stay even a QPR and 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 have goalkeepers like Paddy Kenny, Rob Green, Julio Cesar and um Alex McCarthy was there who's at Southampton now like and people are questioning me like going like well why haven't you played more games well there's your answer like you know I was always looked at as a number two number two a reliable one and that's why I kept getting contracts and every manager that came in seemed to like me because I made sure every day I went in and proved the point to them like I wasn't just on easy street and going because I always felt like I have a two year contract I want to get another another two year contract you alright?
1: Ah uh, yeah Mark, Mark Roster's here uh, yeah. <laughs> apologies gone a bit
0: mad. recently. We just thought he'd collapsed there for a second, but he's actually he's actually back with us.
3: Fell asleep yeah. listening
2: to Murph's story. Sorry. <laughs> but it's just yeah, I do, I do like I do regret not playing games, but I don't regret the decisions I made. You know what I mean? I yeah. do. I look back and go. Look, That's I
1: could It's, have it's very well summed up there. You do regret not playing more games, but you don't regret what your career turned out to be and the decisions you made in terms of but, but contracts it, and
0: that. Yeah, but it's a classic one. Like 100%. It's, it's one hundred percent. Mm. walk a mile in your shoes it's the classic sort of thing that people people will have their external view of football but then you know i don't know what your perspective would be mark you've been at mark you've been at you know you've had issues with injuries and contracts and stuff like that that people from the outside don't always understand like if someone dangles a bit of security in front of you why well, you have to you have to take that i mean i don't know, mark what would your you obviously really rate brian so what would you have made of his uh, career path after
3: um, like hugely successful. Like you're, uh, you know, we spoke about the position being specialised earlier on. Murphs in the first team, he gets injured and he's out for eight months. You said, yeah. Um, like you're, you're gone I've, I've always, uh, I'd always praise a number two goalkeeper for their mentality because, you know, unless the number one makes howler after howler after howler, you're never going to get in the team. Because I suppose it's it's not a back four; it's a back five. It's the keeper and the cohesive unit with the back four. Um, so it's it's very hard to change that, you know. And you'll see, like Shamrock Rovers, you know, with Alan Maness, Um, you know, they'll they'll unless they get injured or for whatever reason, you like they're going to play every game, and it's it's probably so mentally draining for everyone. Um, for everyone, for the second keeper to go in there and try and set a standard for himself, knowing that, on barring an injury, that 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 they're not going to play, um, so it's it's very hard for them. It, it really, really is. Um, you know, so with Mars choices, I, I'd say, look, it, it's hugely successful. You know, when you're talking about Swansea, QPR, Ipswich, um, you know, like there when you were talking about Paul Jewell, I I, geez, I, was there, I forgot about him as a manager, but was really good mm-hmm. at Wigan. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. Um, he's coming back to the league with, you know, if he's gone for 11 years from leaving Bowles till now, still in exceptional shape he's already made Waterford a better team by him being there, albeit that he's, you know, a fossil at this stage. So,
0: so Brian, before you move on, like you mentioned some of the goalkeepers you sort of trained with during your time there, or, you know, QPR and and the various clubs you're at, like who was the best trainer of the keepers you worked with? You talk about seeing how people carry themselves. Like who, who, who did you really enjoy working with during that time?
2: I think I, I, think I enjoyed Working with all of them, but I think in terms of his his approach on a regular basis, probably, probably, Greeny, Rob Green, I suppose, at at QPR when he was there. um, You know, Greeny was just, he was very dedicated to his trade, really, like, and he'd always looked to improve, you know, where there was a a certain um, element of training that he was lacking, that, you know, he was always there, he did his gym work, he whatever. So it was another eye opener for me, but I suppose. For my position and I always felt I had to do that a bit more than anyone else because as I said, like when when I if I got a two-year contract, them two years for me were about getting the next contract after that, you know, and 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 staying in that environment as long as I could. Um and I always made sure that like you know, that I, I worked harder than them or if I could, if if not, it was on a par with them, you know. But I felt I had to come in every day and prove a point whereas these lads have established Premier League players and stuff like that and you have to kind of earn the right to be there and I think I did I think I did that to a certain extent you know I never got to to play but again um, I played cup games but I never got to play in the Premier League or whatever like that but I mean I played some of the championship for them but it was just um, it was just a great experience like I said Julio Cesar coming through the door like um, you know albeit he was in the latter stages of his career like you know and probably not at his best, but in them in, in them minutes before, like I think his big thing was he used to win, and I suppose coming to QPR, he thought maybe something different would happen. And you know, he he was for the, until the first goal went in in a game, like we probably conceded a lot of goals that year. Until the first goal went in, he was unbelievable. Like he was pulling saves out that you would not you it's hard to believe that you see. But then as soon as the first one came, you just see the kind of. The mentality of him that going, I don't really fancy this now. Like, and he could end up losing <laughs> three or four, and like that was probably why I stayed around, and not got, not played as many games I did because it was opportunities to go for me on loan, and a couple of clubs would come in for me. But Julio was injury prone as well, um, and then Rob see, Rob Green was there. Like having Rob Green on the bench as well was kind of, um, kind of madness for a club like QPR, like two keepers of that caliber really, but um julio was injury prone so i never really got to go out on loan so i was always had the opportunity that i'd be like nearly guaranteed to be on every second or third game in the premier league for two or three games in a row because julio would would miss a couple of games so like that was for me that's a hell of an experience to be involved in the premier league like you know i never thought when i initially went to the um, to the uk that i i 20 years later or 15 years later I, that i'd still be involved in them games like you know it just it was just kind of um a bit surreal and i just tried to make the most of it really.
0: And, and Cardiff, right? Was it was that Neil Warnock again, the the that you worked with? So he was he's one of the great characters of the the modern management. I don't know what was your your Neil Warnock experience like. Clearly know, like well he You're clearly yeah, gone well. Like,
2: with he must have. Yeah, yeah. Like he had his ways. He's old school. We've all seen videos and um like he's probably simmered a bit as he got older, you know, but he's He's, he, he's just a character, but the one thing about him, and I remember he didn't sign me for Cardiff. I was signed by the previous manager. Like I was only there probably seven or eight weeks, and, and the oh, manager that was there got, got the sack. But Neil came in, and um, obviously I was like, right, he, like Neil and his staff, Ronnie Jepson and um, Kevin Blackwell, were with him, like, and I was like, oh, well, this will give me a little bit in stepping stone because the two keepers that were there, like, they brought me in as an experience. They wanted an experienced goalkeeper because they're two younger goalkeepers. But I always felt that, give me time. I think I can play some games here. And that's why I kind of, like, jumped at the chance. I looked at it and went, you know, I think I could play some games. And it was the first time, really, re- where I realistic- realistically said to myself, like a, like a QPR, I knew I probably wouldn't um, play too many games unless there was injuries or whatever. But it was the first time I looked at it going, Do you know what, I have a proper chance here, like... Um, and I played some games for him and I did well. Um, but Neil is kind of like, he's so superstitious in his ways that like the goalkeeper that was playing before me, like Neil didn't want them near the club. He was on loan from another club, but he was on loan for the season. So he couldn't send them back because he couldn't go play for another club or anything like that. So he just told him like, like you can have two weeks off. And I was like, what do you mean two weeks off? Just just go have a holiday for two weeks. Because he didn't want them around because in his head, he'd be like, he's a, he's cursed. He's, he's going <laughs> to... And that's the way he was, he was just so superstitious Or he'd come in the next day and on a Friday we'd have a team done or something like that and he'd come in and go, look, Sharon had a dream, Sharon's his wife, like Sharon had a dream, that you scored the winner for me so you're playing today and you'd take someone else out to replace him. <laughs> so it's kind of like, but he was so good at, he was so good at man management. I remember when, just in my own experience, I remember when he gave me my debut for Cardiff and it was Brentford away. And he pulled me in, and he wanted to play me three weeks before that, but he dislocated my finger. So the three weeks before that, he pulled me in, going, "Right, I'm going to play you Saturday." And I was like, "Gaffer, I've not trained for a week. I've dislocated my finger last week." Going, "Oh, did you, son? <laughs> like, <laughs> I, didn't even, I didn't even know. I didn't even know you weren't <laughs> out training. Like, I was like, oh, I can't. Like, I'm not ready. Like," and I was like, "When will you be ready?" And I was like, probably a couple of weeks. Like, I think, like, I can't. It's, it's, I can't like um, catch at him yet. Like, and he was like. All right, right, like, right, get out of my office. Like, I'm like, <laughs> that's, that's my chance gone. It also, the chance, John. And also, results didn't follow after. So, eventually, I was right. And I hit the ground like the week leading into it. Like, I did very well in training. And I remember being in the kind of the second team of it, like in the start of training. And I'd made a couple of saves and I was doing well. And then all I heard, um, uh, Blackie, Kevin Blackwell, turn to the gap and go, I'd do it now. Like, and they just went, more. <laughs> Up the other goal. So I went up the other goal thinking going, all right, okay. So he pulled me in after training and goes, Look, I'm going to play you uh Saturday. I said, The fans won't like you know, you haven't played, if it goes, if it doesn't go well for you, like they'll just think you're shit anyway. Like, so don't worry about it. Like <laughs> <laughs> so, and then he, he said you can you can go back and sit in the stands for me, like there's no problem. Like, and I just walked out and went, Fucking hell, I feel good about this game. <laughs> <laughs> but it just had he just had that weird, he just had that strange way of Basically telling you like doesn't matter if you're shit like just you know, you make you feel a million dollars. I felt I, I honestly I felt ten foot tall walking out of his office and and all he said was all he said to me was like basically said like if you're shit you're shit like just everyone will think you're shit and just go back and sit in the stand. Do you know what I mean? It was just a weird kind of he had but he did so well with that group that we like stayed up and I think all the lads that played for him will know that like he, he he'd be the first to slag you off. But he'd always be the first one to defend you as well, like in, in in privately and get the best out of you. And that Cardiff group that we we literally, we had a good run to the end of the season, stayed up. And then the next year, like we hit the ground running, like, and the lads were just buzzing to play for him. Like everyone hated playing against us because we were just a horrible team, played direct, got it up to the, up to the um, attacking players. I think the first 10 games, I think we won nine of them or something, and, and, and that was a, a right set. But he just knew how to get, under people's skin, the the wrong way and the right way when he needed it, and the reactions incredible. And you saw at Middlesbrough, he's got a little bit of a bounce off them. Like mm. they've had a couple of couple of tough years, and he's gone in again and, and given them a lift. Like he's seventy, and he's seventy two now. Like and he's been retired for about fifteen years. You know what I mean? So <laughs> he just he just loves it. Like, and I think it's kind of um, it's a dying breed of managers. I feel now that. They know how to put their arm around the, the, the shoulder of players or how to get the best out of a certain player. Like, I think it's some managers are too quick to pick a formation. And if you suit the formation, great. If you don't, then they just kind of push you aside a little bit, like, and, and forget about you. Whereas Neil kind of like, he always saw the good and bad in players, but he saw a lot more good than he than he did. Did Roy Keane fail in that regard? Or? I wouldn't say he failed. I think Roy, um, oh, like, I loved working for him. I, and I and I generally mean that. Like I uh, like to go in and actually work for him, like the, the three things he always wanted off you was turn up on time, train properly and have respect for people. And that was his three things. If you if you missed one of them any day of the week, he'd hammer you for it. Like and it doesn't matter who you were, like he would he'd always be watching and want the best. I think maybe the issue with Roy was he's come from Manchester United for God knows how many years he was there, and the standards were so high, and the caliber of player he had were so high, and to drop his standards now you're not playing in the Premier League with Man United winning titles, but to drop his standards to go down to like the championship, which he's never played in, you know, is was, I think was difficult for him. I mean, he'd wonder why players couldn't do a certain trick or or, or do a certain pass or or, or defend a certain way. 'Cause just generally the Chapman players aren't as good as the top Premier League players. Mm. And like he, he hit the ground running with Sunderland, um, really got him promoted and came to Ipswich. But I just don't think the group that we had at Ipswich was probably strong enough for him. Um, I think it was just like you know, we were probably a middle-ish bottom end of the table kind of team. And he probably got a bit too frustrated with it, like and, and maybe got the better of my times and you know, I always felt maybe if he had a, an experience number two with him to kind of pull him, like the, maybe talk to him in private and say maybe not today or maybe that's the way to go with it today or whatever, Like because like, look, he, Roy would tell you what he thinks and that's, look, the, I, I think he most people appreciate people being honest like, and Roy is is straight. That's what he needs as, he as well,
1: right? Brian. If he if he is to come back into management, I, I would imagine that's what he will need. He'll need a really good like person to bring along with him that'll be that foil, maybe the good cop, bad cop or whatever.
2: Yeah, possibly. Like I, I remember being in one or two squads with him um as assistant manager with Martin in, in the Ireland squads. And we were I was chatting to him after one game in the Aviva and just general chit chat, like I hadn't seen him probably for a year before that, before that squad. And I was just chatting to him and like, like, oh how'd you how are you liking being number two? Like he goes, It's different, like because he feels like he has a lot to get out off his chest, but he's not the manager. So like obviously the assistant is the assistant, the manager has the final say in things and and, and, and speaks most in the dressing room. So he said just, you could see he's kind of like choosing his words a bit wiser than maybe he would normally like to do it. Like, But like that's, you know, I think any number two that has been a manager probably finds that, that look, you don't have, it's not your dressing room as such, it's not your team, but you're part of that staff or the manager to, to help the group or whatever. But international football is totally different because they're not your players really. Like they're they come into you for a week and they, they go back to their clubs. But um I'm sure he wants to get back into management. Like he's been it's was it ten years out of maybe ten mm. years since he's been a manager. Yeah,
0: the ten year anniversary just passed. We were talking about Ronald Murray last week, yeah. So it's yeah, so it's
2: difficult to see. Like I know he was in for the Celtic job. Well, according to the press, he was in for the Celtic job, but um I don't know how where that is at the minute either. Like, I don't think it doesn't look like he's gonna get it, but I don't know. I don't know where if, if a chairman would would want to take them. He's good value on on Sky at the moment, really. You know, mm-hmm. everyone, everyone. But he has that safety but... net, really.
3: Like that, if he if he does go back into management, then it, it's a car crash. After six months, he'll be back on Sky straight away because he's. gold. Well, I don't think he gold, can... like, I honest. don't think
2: he will. I don't think. I don't think he look at it that way as being a car crash. But I think he's. The next job, if he does take another job, or it's he gets a job somewhere, it's massive Dude. to get it. It's to get it right, or be half successful, or be go in and be steady with it, like you know. And, and, so, like, where is the question? I suppose where is he gonna? Where is he gonna go to? But look, he's, you know what I mean. Like, if he's really keen, like you know what I mean. If he if he gets the right group of players and a strong group of players, I think it could go very well at the right club. If you have any weaknesses at all in your group, you're in trouble with them um, because team players just automatically will, if they have a loss of form, some players can't find a way back to, to form to get them to playing well. And, and I think maybe that's where players will struggle with them. But like, I never really had a problem with Roy. Um, I think maybe being Irish, I think we, we're used to getting the bollocking a bit more often than maybe some of the foreign lads or some of the, maybe even some of the English lads or whatever. I think we have a mentality that if you basically tell me I'm crap or I've made a mistake, my my mission then is to go, I'm going to prove you wrong. And I think that's a mentality that a lot of Irish people have and I think even the current group of Irish players that are probably going through a tough time at the minute, I guarantee you most of them will have that mentality of, do you know what, we're going to prove a point the next time we get together. You know, they mightn't, but they're going to do their utmost to, to do it right. And I think if, if Roy had 20 players that did that for him, I think he'd probably be all right. But, this day and age, and the way footballers are now, they're probably not as mentally strong as they were probably ten years ago either.
0: So, so, so Murph, anyway, let's move on from that. What brought you home then? I mean, your 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 home, I guess, in in your native mm. neck of the woods. So, like, was that just? I mean, is is the answer in the question there? If you know what I mean, coming home was that the? I'm attraction?
2: old. <laughs> I'm very old. <laughs> <laughs> um. No. Look. Um. I suppose I re signed for Cardiff in the, the summer previous, and I suppose, you know, I, I was happy. I was happy enough there and stuff. Um, and then it came to a point, probably look, my wife was pregnant. Um, she was due last June. Um, and I suppose my, my um, I, I probably wasn't involved as much as I would have liked to be. And I was, I wasn't, I think I was involved in two match day squads. So I wasn't. You know that was just you know I don't know how it worked out that way, but it was just probably the way it worked out. But I was doing very well in training. Manager obviously changed, and um, the manager before, like I had a discussion with him at Christmas time and said, "Look, there might be an opportunity for me to um, go home." Like if it came, like would there be an issue with you if I if if I sort of ended my contract early or whatever? He goes, "Look, I would love to keep you, but." We have three other goalkeepers here that I can't get rid of. They're on longer contracts than you. They've been involved and stuff. So he goes, look, it was a different world. It was Neil Harris was the manager. Because, like, because again, the new manager came in. I was like, like I'm going to show him how good I am, and I think I did that to a certain extent, but ultimately. And I suppose around November time I started thinking and then I spoke to him I said uh, December to so look if it happened and it wasn't probably till the end of January I just said to myself do you know what like I had an option to go one or two places on loan till the end of the season in the UK and I was like said to my wife I said look basically like, is that what we want to do like they do want to move around the UK I'm gonna be I'm 37 in a few in a few months I said do want to move around the UK and, and 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 force a contract somewhere or I have an opportunity to come home like and I suppose I looked at the league as well and thought like right I'm so late that like the, the, the top clubs of the league are all sort of good goalkeepers so I'm not going to go to any of them so I remember speaking to Rennie Alan Reynolds here at Wall and he just said look we'll have you <laughs> like so <laughs> if, you, if you want to come back we'll have you and, and he just said look take your time and I suppose it was probably the last week of January I kind of um, said to Cardiff look can we can I get out my contract and um, they agreed to it and then I came home and Two days before the the start of the season, and then came like came back like and had three weeks of the season, and we've been in lockdown since. So it's not been. I've lived away for twenty years, looking forward to coming home and and, and kind of mm. seeing more friends and family and seeing no one. <laughs> like so. Yeah, and, yeah.
0: Uh, but look,
2: I'd, ultimately, look, my big decision was to like I wanted to come if I was going to play in this league at home. I didn't want to come home at when I was finished. I didn't want to come home that. I was too old to play, or I wasn't good enough to play, or my body couldn't move. I felt like right. I'm still feeling quite good that I want to play some games and enjoy being home and enjoy playing some games again because I hadn't played regularly for quite some time. And it was just that. It was just that element that was like going, Like I'll be home. It's in the road for me, and I'll and I'll enjoy it. And that was it. Like um, you know, I didn't think uh, obviously a pandemic would would follow, but I mean, it's been been half enjoyable at the moment. Like
1: it is mad. You're only there like a little over 12 months. Uh, for, you obviously had Rennie, then you had John Sheridan, Fran Rockett, and then you've the a high profile duo this season as well. This is all in the space of a little over one season.
2: Uh, it's just like the amount of stuff that I've had you, you have to deal with like that you kind of forget about when you're over in England because things are kind of like when stable. you're in a club like this so <laughs> many stable yeah, there's so many resources <laughs> behind like even a card of like you never had to deal with anything. There was always like the, the outside of the football side of it. Like the club is huge. Like, you know, you have so many people work in different parts of the club, but I foolishly made myself a delegate for the club with the PFEI and stuff. And <laughs> Little did I think that, um little did it's I a full think time would job. Oh, it's, it nearly was for a while. i more, I saw more of Stephen McGinnis than I did my own wife at one stage, I think like on, on Zoom, but um like you just forget how like, how well like the, the the leagues are run over in UK um in terms of what you have to deal with. But I mean it's just crazy times. Like I don't think anyone ever like, in our lifetime never thought the world would basically stop. You know, and I mean we've been looking away that football has been able to um continue to a certain extent. I know we had a big gap in the in the kind of summertime where we were unsure whether it would come back. But you know I think the I suppose the one bit of credit I could give the League of Ireland is that we when we came back we did it quite well in terms of we had very few cases bar maybe the latter stage of the season when, when cases mm-hmm. maybe start to rise um uh around the country and stuff. But um it's just just crazy times, like you know what I mean. Yeah. It's just hopefully this year hopefully this year can just stay normal and we can and we can just enjoy. Like last year, like you know, playing in a league where um you had eighteen games like and, and it was only twelve when we actually came back, you know, it was it was kind of it was a bit weird it felt like a kind of a, a cup competition to be honest like you know um, you know we were probably unlucky to miss out in Europe but we probably overachieved in the same ones but then obviously things change again and and this club has a tradition over the last few years to basically start from scratch every year um, <laughs> the model that the owner has done um, now you know he's changed the management he brought in um, Kevin and, and Mike and um, you know two names in the game, really, it's been, especially Kevin in this country. Um, you know, Kevin's not managed at all on senior football before, I suppose, and that so he's kind of um, they've had to build a squad and it's been a slow process and it's still only probably getting there. I know we're three games in, but we're, we're slowly building and I think we're probably getting a little bit better every week. But it's just like, I like, I it was frustrating a little bit, like Darla's here as well, obviously, and we were kind of saying to each other like. Like, is there any point to playing if, like, if there's seven players coming back for the start of pre season? We're looking at each other going, my God, like, do we need this? Like, but, um, but look, it, it's getting better, and, and, and hopefully, we'll, we'll have a squad good enough just to, to compete. You know, that's all we can ask for.
0: I was going to say, like, uh, what's the dynamic of the dressing room like? Because you have yourself and Daryl, as you mentioned, you know, similar age, similar, you know, you've, you've, you've been around the game, but then you're, you're looking at young lads coming in on loan. You know 19 20 21 years of age from someone of some of your former clubs in fact and, and you know places like and, and i suppose you can relate to their where they're at in their lives but it's it's a very different dressing room dynamic i would imagine to anything you've experienced you know we talked about the bose dressing room earlier it was all men it's a very different sort of now it's sort of like you're like babysitting some of those lads like effectively in some respects
2: Oh, I'm not babysitting them. I've done, I've done with that. Like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, look, um, yeah, like it's, it, it is, it is, it's a bit more difficult. I suppose I said, like, you, you, like I was captain, I suppose, last year, I was asked to be captain last year or just because I was experienced or whatever. And I was asked that I want to continue it this year. And I said, no, like I said, the reason why I said no, is because like, I'm 37. Um, and I thought for the good of the team, like I didn't know who they were bringing in at the time or what, for the good of the team, I felt it'd be better to give it to one of the younger boys, to give them a bit of responsibility to kind of lead, to show the young lads like there's an opportunity there for them, not just like to rely on myself and Daryl to, to push things or make things better or ask a question, you know? So obviously, you know, you're trying to build an environment and a, and a mentality where young lads come in. Like we're lucky down here that like, we have a link up with WIT and the WIT arena, if everyone's, anyone's ever been to it, is an incredible facility. Um, we have access to some of the best equipment you could have in the country. We have great training pitches. We also have obviously the RSC, which is a fantastic facility for training. So the lads have that environment. They have everything in place. So on that front, there's no excuses. Like we have lads coming over from, say, Cardiff and Swansea on loan who have very good facilities themselves. And it's not, in terms of the facilities, is not a drop down for them in terms of the level it's probably a drop down for them but in terms of facility so they've no excuse on that front it's up to themselves on that so like the dynamic of the group is kind of like me and Darla are 37, 30. I'm just glad I'm not the oldest I think Darl is two months older so I, oh. <laughs> I'm not the, the oldest fossil in the dressing room. but it's just kind of it's kind of um, you know I've tried to encourage the young lads to speak up and and and, and push it themselves because they have to at some point because as, as I said to him, it's their career like they're all 19, 20, 21 we've I think Eric Malloy's is 28, Oscar Brennan's 23, 24 has been around the league a number of years. Um so they're generally and the rest are all in around 20 and 23 I suppose. So like they're here like this is a stepping stone for them. Like if you look yeah. at our group last year the the better players that we've had have gone to better clubs or clubs higher up the table than 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 we might end up but you know it's just it's just to get them to turn up every day and be consistent, like as with Dirk Heinen's a goalkeeping coach here, um, who won the Bundesliga and stuff like Fantastic guy, like, and he he always pushes the young lads Like you push training today. Don't expect me to come in every day. But I have, as Rossi said, we're all a bit touched, but I come in every day to kind of go, like these two whippersnappers, snappers like these aren't getting the better of me today. Like, so you kind of yeah. force them to try to get better. But look, we have a group there that it's a very young group where we will be at the end of the season I have no clue at the moment that's that's being honest like I think we'll be competitive but then you look through the whole league I don't think there's too many teams you could pick go well they're going to be consistent every week like the league is bunkers like you look. I think at the, getting the
1: three points early on against Derry is massive just to give you a bit of breathing space as well
2: ah yeah look I think I heard all week run into the Derry game like um that was oh, a must win i think going We've only played <laughs> bloody two games. Like It's not a yeah, really yeah. must-win. But, mm. but, and I, I remember speaking to the lads, um, as we do as a group, leading into the game, and I just said, don't worry about the results. Take the pressure out of winning or losing. We can't guarantee that. We just got to go in and put in a shift. That's all you got to do. Mm. And if we do that throughout the season and turn up every game, Like you're not always going to win. But if you go in and go, right, we gave it our best today, but we just fell short. You can, I can accept that. We played Sligo, The week before last, I think we deserved at worst to get a draw. I thought we could have probably won it with the chances we had. And I just said to the lads after, I said, like, if we lose every game like that the rest of the season, I'm no problem with that because that's the level where we need to get to. And that's the level you need to get because if you do, if you play that level every week, you win more games than you lose. You know what I mean? Mm. But the week before I dropped it, we lost to an OG in the 88 minute, but the performance wasn't good enough because we were literally, I said, we were literally thrown together that week. Yeah. So, and then Derry was just like, Like for me, 3G pitches shouldn't be, or 4G pitches shouldn't be allowed in in professional football. Like it's, it just, and I think that's why Derry will suffer this season a little bit at home because I think they play a good brand of football, but it's just too slow. The pitch is just too slow for them. Um, And like, we didn't play good football at all on it really, but we came away with a 2-1 win. So you just don't know where teams are at really, like at the minute.
0: Mark, just from your perspective, I know you were watching the, uh, and Doc, the Shamrock Rovers Dundalk last week, and I think you might be watching Sligo Rovers as well. prior to that. What's your take on the league generally this year? I mean, um, I suppose the Tally game was a tale of keepers in some ways, um, but I don't know. What's your perspective on things? Mark? It,
3: like when when Murph is there saying about you know getting performances, performances, performances. First person who came into me head was Ali Horgan when the when the beat Dundalk. Because he said for for years, they've been getting moral victories, but losing the game and stuff like that. And now you look at them top of the table, you know, that uh, I suppose if you can, I suppose, have a group of players and focus on performances, it'll come right. Yeah, they were gifted a goal you know, against Bowles' first game of the season. Um, but they've, they've continued that on. And, and you know, like first first couple of games of the season, you're just looking to get points on the board because the likelihood is, you know, from the outside looking in for anybody, they're going to say Shamrock Rovers and Dundalk are going to be the teams that will, you know, I suppose, strive on and go from there. However, you know, Dundalk are as mad as, a, I suppose, a bag of cats at the minute. You don't know, I suppose, what you're going to get over seasons where they dominated for, for, for years consistently, um, you know, Sligo always
1: title contenders.
3: No, but they've got a lot stronger squad than they've had years previous. They've had a good 11, let's say, but mm. now they have stuff that they can come off the bench. Like Regan Donlan say, you know, who has played when he's fit for Sligo for the last couple of years, now, he has Robbie McCourt there, who's got a beautiful left foot. So, from deliveries, he's he's very dangerous. Obviously, he took him off Waterford. Um, so, like, if, if you've got an injury there, you know, he, he can slip in and it's fine. I think they've done well with getting Romeo back. Um, I don't understand... <laughs> You know, Junior didn't have a great season for for Sligo last year and gets move to Dundalk. Um, so I think they've done well there. They've lost Coughlan to, to Pats, um, but Young Johnny Kenny looks, you know, looks a talent for them, and he's he's leading the line really well. If he can get a goal, see where it takes him. Um, but they've they've been very interesting to watch. Um, I think I think at this stage the league is developing well under the circumstances. I just love to see crowds
0: back. Yeah, that's the big thing. I mean, Brian, I suppose that's one of the things you assume you wanted to play in front of like friends and family and stuff that you're actually home. And it's, it's, it's something you're slightly presuming they want to go and watch it. I mean, I'm guessing they probably would, but like, you know, that's something you're, you're missing out on.
2: Yeah, well, coming to watch me is to be debated, but I mean, it's kind of like never every game just leading into it. Yeah, there's three points at stake or there's. Uh, you know a performance that you have to put on, but like there's there's not the same buzz, and I think anybody like you you've probably been to games as well where mm. it's a select few that are allowed in, and you can hear everything on the pitch, and like someone scores a goal, it's kind of like like a little you know well done or uh, cheerful. There's no there, there's no atmosphere. I don't know whether crowds will be allowed in this year. I hope it does happen because regardless of what you're into, whether it's out for going to the gym or whether you're into looking at competitive sport, um, no matter what it is, I think people need it for their own, I suppose, mental health and stuff as well to have a release and to get back to some sort of normality. And I think it's important for us players as well that you're not just going in to play games for the sake of playing games. And it feels sometimes, it seems a bit forced at times to... To, um, going into games that like like we're in the middle of a pandemic in the world and here's us kicking around the football like that, mm. you know yeah, it matters while you're in it but then after you get home and you kind of go well you know, no one really cares at the minute because, you know, there's so much else going on in, in, in life, you know and, you know, I suppose you watch like you know, the Master mastering but you watch the horse race in telly or you watch um, the Champions League's Real Madrid are playing in their in their training stadium, you know, or their mm-hmm. second stadium. Like, and it's just like, that that's not how people want to see games. You know, um, hopefully, I know, I know in the UK, which are, they're flying in the vaccinations part of it, but like, I think for the Carbo Cup, they're allowing 8,000 in. So that might be a good kind of setting to see where they go after that. And maybe we'll slowly follow behind. Well, listen, lads,
0: uh, cheers for that. Um, Murph and, and Rossi, it's great to have you on. Sorry for going through some, uh, some some Salzburg memories, but we had some good memories too as well. And uh, listen, we really appreciate your time, and hopefully we'll, we'll have you back on again later. No in the season.
3: pleasure, fellas, as always.
1: Thanks a million to the two lads, and stay tuned because our uh, question this week, in order to win a four-star pizza, does relate to their time at Bowes. Um, but before that, here's Adam Wickstead who was the star of the show for Athlone Friday night against Galway. I suppose a few eyebrows were raised when you joined uh, at Lawn this season. A um, you know, player of your quality obviously
4: come from Drogheda, but um, how could you describe your performance tonight and that of your team as well? Um, well, we just needed a run of games in fairness and Drogheda done so well last year. We struggled to get into the team, so that was a credit to them, but we just... Uh, in fairness to Cabsy and Graham and Decky, they, they gave me the confidence just to go out and enjoy it again. And I've and been getting that's 290 minutes under my belt, it's, it's more than I played all the last season. So I would just think uh, each game will just grow in confidence. And that's, yeah. Is that one of the best performances you've produced in your career? <laughs> Probably it's up there, yeah. yeah. Nearly crowned it with a goal as well. Yeah, unlucky with that off the bar. I think uh, if that goes in, it's. Uh, game over. I, I still think we managed the game well, even even when we went, we conceded a goal in the second half. I thought we still managed it after that OK and didn't have much try after that. I was doing a match report, I was trying to describe Curtis Byrne's shot there in the second half
1: that also hit the bar. Could you do a better job than I did? Could, could could he? Could I? Could, could,
4: could you do a better job of describing it than I did because it was outrageous and uh, a nearly it nearly like a ball over the top. But he sort of just looked out at the ball coming over the back of him, and he just I don't know. He struck it with the outside of his boot across goal. Keeper just got Fingertips onto the bar, I think it was. And it's hard to explain. I don't even know what he does. He does that in training all the time. He just you don't think he's gonna shoot, and he just pulls that out of an hour. And do he, you even remember his dad playing? Uh, no I actually don't but I heard he was a good player as well <laughs> It was alright just uh, all seriousness that Lone Town have to be title contenders or at least playoff contenders as the base of that because thoroughly deserved yeah look it's, look, we don't want to get carried away or, or a hard working team and what I think once we match every team uh, work right a uh, football a look after itself uh, Signed a lot of players who want to it were, it weren't given a chance as much last season and we all have a, a lot to prove and I think that's shown in the first two games and we just have to keep down that taking it I know it's cliche but take it game by game and see where we end up but yeah of course it's the playoffs is in our sight so, um I, I wouldn't I wouldn't knock that off but uh, yeah
1: And that was Adam Wixted. and uh, that was a cracking game of football Dan it, it was um, just kind of I don't know I obviously going to be watching a lot of first division this season but long had some very good players on show and uh, yeah treated some Tell you, it was. I obviously
0: I brought did, oh, ball I you, Yeah, I mean, J- J- Galway are full time. Surely they should be doing more. I mean, mm. can you can you can you even? You know what, I'll say that right. Sorry, you can't put kind of the Galway United media officer slamming Galway United. But, um, former
1: disgraced former Galway United media <laughs> officer. <laughs> I,
0: I, I I understand your need to stress that loan some very good players, and no doubt they have better players. Uh, they have much better players this season than they did last season because you look at the, the, the personnel the roster uh, as they would say in America um, although they don't have of course the two North American players who've been, who've been sent back to Dundalk who can happily pay their wages while they do nothing um, for the next one but I mean they're never going to be good enough to play for Dundalk anyway but sure listen um, mm. who, who are we to tell them what to do um, but anyway uh, yeah at the same time I would be expecting a bit more from Galway but you can't can't necessarily say that Um but, on your um, local,
1: on your local club Dundalk, um, where do you think this is going?
0: I mean, I don't know. I, I think I said at the start. In fairness, someone made a good point to, to me. I think it was on Twitter where I said I consider season bone go way both ways, and someone said we could say that for every club, which is technically true. But I think the extremes for what is possible at Dundalk are much wilder. Um, and you know, Mark obviously, Rossi alluded to it there. Everyone in the league knows, right? Everyone, with the exception of a, a couple of very optimistic fans who are sort of like um, who are still believing that there's some master plan here that they are the only ones that are privy to it and aware of it, and everyone else in the world, and um, you know, is 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 missing out that in fact, like the 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 overlords have a master plan. What you have is a club that's been run in a very strange manner by an absentee chairman, um, and. There's a drop-down uh, menu impact on some of that, which is which is has the potential to be very complicated. But the one hope that they have is that they still have a good squad of players, and if they start the season well, then there's a sense that they can, you know, they 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 can shape their own story and they can block out the other stuff as noise. But the more points they drop, the more it becomes problematic. And you know, the situation with management, people say you want to bet too much, but you have a situation at the moment where Filippo, you know, Abibi is a Filippo signing. It's his player and um, adding stakes. And, you know, not necessarily ideal that you have Shane Keegan, who, who, who you know, has going out there to talk about you know, someone else's decision. Um, and even listen to some of the tactical stuff last week. Bringing Greg got on on the right of a back three um, for a while, um, throwing Ryan Kane into the game, which to me, I, I found that very, very strange to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. And it must be said, and you were you were very sceptical about Filippo last year, and I would have been more positive about, uh, listen, he got them to the Europa League, he, he earned the right to get a chance at it. And I, I think my argument at that stage would have been because, listen, and they can always end it if it's not working. Um, and that's true. But, but, but I mean, the actual league record under Filippo is... Is not good, and the decision making game on game in terms of picking a team, you know, relative to like the opponent and what do you need to win games in the league. I'm just not sure if that baseline knowledge is actually there. And um, and and while I think that they did a reasonably good job, I have to say, in terms of game plans for big European games, and even you know in terms of some of the FEI Cup towards the end of the season. But it's the week on week, 36 game season decision making. Um, some of it is just bizarre, you know, double subs a half, half time against Finn Harps and throwing O'Kane in the stuff. Is just not, not not going well. And honestly, like I don't think like, you know, they play bows and pats in the next two weeks and, and they need to get some some results. But but yeah, I I I just feel like we're going to be talking about them a lot. And I'm conscious of not um overdoing it. But I mean, clearly. Uh, anyone in the league with a rough iota of knowledge of, of 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 the grapevine knows that that what's happening at that club is not conducive to success, um, and uh, the, the 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 players are under you know the players as far as I know have been insulated from a certain amount of it, but they won't be if results are bad, and that's that's yeah that's the fear of what happens. Let's get our, let's get our, quiz, our, our quiz question before we before we forget to do it. It's obviously pretty important. Um, so the, this week's trivia question is, and if you can please uh, reply on Twitter with your answer, um, it's a, you know to at Central Pod. If you want to hashtag Lloy Central in it, we should probably think of people who listen who don't use Twitter. Maybe we can we can send an email address in future as well. They can do that, but for this week, um, we're, we're we're restricted to this format. The question is: So Mark Rossler and Brian Murphy were on there. They won the double with Bohemians in. And virtue the, the, the FII cup was a penalty shootout win against derry city who was the player that scored the winning penalty kick for both that is your question so we can type your answer to us at anyway central pod hashtag anyway central you have a chance of getting a pizza delivered uh this weekend for a game of your choice now what are the games this weekend johnny what have we got to look forward yeah. to this weekend we've got on friday we've got uh, St. Pat's against Derry City in the Premier Division which I think is a pretty interesting game we've got Dundalk mm-hmm. against Bowes also that's the 7.45 game on Friday and then Saturday 6 o'clock who've we got we've got Sligo yeah. Rovers against Shamrock Rovers we've got Finn Harps are on the road they, this week
1: Finn Harps are know. home to Watford and home. To Long- Longford are playing Drogheda and then a massive massive few days for Derry City because they play Shamrock Rovers in that rescheduled game Tuesday and then the First Division uh, Cork Athlone Cabin Galway UCD Bray Treaty Cove Shelburne Wexford and to the best of my knowledge all those games are on 7.45 on uh, Friday evening and yeah so it, it's going to be an interesting I don't know Decky Divine I think it's going to be an interesting time for Derry because they've made a dreadful start obviously and uh, it doesn't get any easier Pats and Shamrock Rovers their next two games I'm, I'm at this stage I I, I don't I I, I just I've no confidence actually that anyone is going to really challenge Shamrock Rovers but um, but hopefully they will. And I'm like you, like I think Rovers, and, Rovers are kind of only getting going um, and they've only played two games, but they, it's hard to see them dropping many points now.
0: No, no. I mean, listen, they've got Richie Towell to come in, obviously, in the summer, which we know. Um, and they, you know, Chris McCann has, come, has started very well, like showing yes. his... Lovely player sort of to watch. ...the, the quality that allowed him to play at a good level. And, and Mandrew showing some urgency. It's just like, it's, it's, it's just that... I suppose maybe are 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 we expecting too much in a way that it's natural that 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 losing sort of Jack Byrne and McIniff is going to affect them, you know, in terms of their fluency. I just think it was interesting that when the dogs changed, um, they created quite a lot of chances, you know, and even even the duck with Duffy and Drakovskis on the left sides they looked really strong, you know, mm. um, They're and. Good players. Yeah, I, suppose, I suppose you look at the first game for, for Rovers as well. I mean, Pats did, did did break through on that side of the pitch and, the, you know, the Benson goal. But there's there's definitely a, it's just a couple of vulnerabilities there that I think teams will be looking to target. But whether they're good enough to exploit them is another question. And to be fair, Rovers did have one game and then a two-week break. So you can understand why Um, they might just be... They're fine on their way. You know, Finn was a wing-back last year. He's in midfield this year they they've been missing i mean Roberto Lopez by the way i mean i, I spoke to Roberto Lopez this week you know uh, yeah. quarantined in the in the Crown Plaza in Santry um he probably got overshadowed by the by the two women coming back from Dubai um but he he was in that facility but like they've been missing um, the Dubai too the, the Dubai too um mm,
1: they could do two a win by the two
0: Dubai too but like they 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 you know the the, the, the situation is that like, you know, in their back three, they've had to, like, you know, rotate roles and, and players. I mean, you know, Lee Grace had issues at the start of the season. So, but they have the squad and the experience. They're actually, I saw someone point out that the average age of the Rovers team on Friday, for all that Rovers have had a youth policy in recent years, I think the average age on their side, um, I think it was up in the high 20s. You know, yeah,
1: because um, you have obviously Gannon and um, McCann and and Manis straight away, yeah, Finn, like Finn Finn, 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 yeah.
0: Even you know, so like Sean Horace, twenty six. Okay, Mandrew is young enough. Aaron Green is you know is an experienced player. So actually, mm. we spoke earlier about that the Bowes team that won the league and they're all men. And actually, that Rovers team at the moment isn't far away from that. And um, for all that they have a an academy plan and some promising young players there, the first team at the moment is is pretty seasoned. And they've got a business-like job to do this season on the pitch. And and, and that's why, you know, you'd expect them to go and do it. But uh, I don't know, is there anything else we need to discuss, Johnny? I think we'll probably reach the end of the road. Yeah, I think that's um, it. Like hotel quarantine, um, I, I definitely wouldn't be mad on it from Roberto Lopez's description. But uh, I don't know if we're going to be travelling anytime soon to, to put ourselves in in, in jeopardy of, of that, really, you know?
1: Yeah, it is what it is, yeah. Uh, Finn Hart, Sligo, uh, and St. Pat's, the three teams with seven points and uh, a crack and start to the campaign.
0: Thanks, everyone, for listening again. And uh, send us your comments, reviews, feedback. Well Indeed. All. And um, yeah, thanks to uh, future And thanks for, to
1: FutureTicking.ie for uh, sponsorship. Um, I think we've had a, a, a bumper show today. We'll talk to you today.